Church, let me invite you to open up God's Word with me this morning to the book of Exodus. We'll be in Exodus chapter 20 today. And how good it is to be gathered with God's people as a church family. It's good to see uh, many young kiddos here today. Good to be gathered uh, in a room together as a family across uh, the age spectrum. And so uh, if, uh, if you hear young kiddos, whether in person here or maybe perhaps you even hear them uh, as you watch at home, we're just going to consider those noises. Amen and praise the Lord and celebrate with God together as we open up His Word. Also, a word to you that are gathered at home. We are going to be participating at the end of the service uh, in communion, in the Lord's Supper. And so we'll have an opportunity uh, to do that here together as a church. And so if you're at home, let me encourage you, let me invite you, if you know the Lord, to prepare now, maybe even to pause now and to gather uh, whatever elements you may have on hand, to go to your kitchen to find a piece of bread or uh, some crackers and whatever juice you have uh, available as we prepare to remember and celebrate what Christ has done for us. Well, today we conclude our trek, our journey uh, through the Ten Commandments, coming to the horizontal component of these laws that were given by God uh, to His people, to His redeemed people. And so as we prepare to look at God's Word, let's remember the pattern that is set forth here in God's Word. God rescues these people. He rescues the Israelites by His grace. Uh, he sets them apart. He gives them new life as His people. And then He instructs them. He, he calls His rescued people uh, to hear and to obey His Word. And church, the same is true for us. God rescues us from our sin through the sacrifice of our perfect Savior, His Son. He gives us new life to live as His people in Jesus, and then God calls us to hear and to obey His Word. The God who rescues us calls us to live for His glory. So today we begin by looking at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. We're going to jump right into the fifth commandment and look at uh, the remainder of these commandments, uh, leaning into what it means to live for God's glory uh, by loving our neighbors. And so I know you just sat down, but let me invite you for just a moment. Let me invite you to stand where you are uh, out of reverence for the Lord, the one whose word it is that we are reading. So Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 12, I'll read through verses uh, through verse 21. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Verse 21, the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. And Father, now guide us by the presence and power of your spirit that we might understand the truths of your word and apply them to our lives as your people today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. 
Amen. You may be seated. Well, the central truth that we've been looking at together uh, as we've walked through the Ten Commandments is this. The God who rescues us calls us to live for His glory. And so now in Commandments 5 through 10, we see that God is not only interested, church, in how we regard Him. He's not only interested in how we approach Him, how we come before Him in worship, but He is deeply concerned with how we relate to one another. He's deeply interested in how we interact with one another, how we treat one another. You know, this sort of bucks up against the common idea that faith and religion are private matters between me, myself, and God, right? Uh, Don't ask me about politics or religion or SEC football and we'll get along just fine, right? Now, faith in God is personal. You can't have faith... For me and vice versa, it's between us and God. We are responsible for how we respond to God. But but it is not private. This little light of mine, right? I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. God's rescued people are called to let their light shine. We're called to let our light shine, to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And one of the ways that we do that, church, is by loving our neighbors as ourselves. The Bible teaches that we glorify God when we love our neighbors as ourselves. We heard Austin read Jesus' words earlier when our Savior was asked about the greatest commandment of God. Jesus responded, he said, love the Lord your God with all that you are. Love God with all that you are. And then Jesus went on to say there, he said, the second is like it. The second command is is, is right there with it. Love your neighbor as yourself. How do we love our neighbors? Who is my neighbor? I think we see here that it starts in the home. It starts with the family. We glorify God when we love our family as ourselves. And one way that we do that in the family is by recognizing God's design, His plan for family structure. We glorify God when we respect parental authority. We glorify God when we respect parental authority. Honor your father and mother, verse 12. To honor parents is to give them their due respect and authority, their proper weight and the importance, their importance in the home. Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 6, he said, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He goes on in verse 4 of that same chapter. He says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Children, respect and obey your parents. Believe it or not, they are God's gift to you for your protection, for your provision, for your growth, and for your good. The flip side of that, then parents... The burden is on us to lead and to act in a way that points our children and our grandchildren to the God who rescues. So let's bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. In other words, teach them these things. They don't get a choice. Whether they're 5 or 15, as long as they are in your home, parents, they are going to hear about Jesus the Christ from you. The other family relationship acknowledged here, the Ten Commandments, is found in verse 14. You shall not commit adultery. 
So we glorify God, church, when we respect parental authority and we glorify God when we honor marital integrity. Honor marital integrity. See, immorality, I don't have to tell you this, immorality and marital unfaithfulness are accepted and often even expected in 21st century Western culture. And church, it grossly offends the God who made us. The God who is always, absolutely, always, every single time faithful to His people. The Bible likens adultery to idolatry. For both are atrocious displays of unfaithfulness toward the very ones to whom we have entered into a covenant relationship. And yet Jesus tells us that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Brothers, we are guilty. And the same would be true for a woman who looks at another man and thinks, if only my husband were more like him. Adultery. Church, these commands revealing the heart of God are for our good. Deepening Christ-honoring relationships and contributing to the flourishing of society. So let's strive. Let's strive for and acknowledge and honor marital integrity. We glorify God when we love our neighbors as ourselves, beginning in the home, but not just in the home. We are to cherish all human life. Cherish all human life. This is the sixth commandment. You shall not murder. You know, what's interesting, I think, about these love your neighbor commandments is that these are not some revolutionary ideas that only make sense to those who can quote the Apostles' Creed or those who have every word of every stanza of amazing grace memorized. No, these are basic God-given inalienable rights recognized by the laws and customs of just about every society. But the word here for murder includes both premeditated murder and accidental killing. In other words, it encompasses all unlawful killing for human life is sacred. It matters. It's valuable. It is significant because our Creator says so. Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. Likewise, James says in James chapter 3, verse 9, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Friends, human life is sacred. It is valuable. It's made in the image and likeness of our God. So we cherish all human life, young and old, rich and poor, red, yellow, black and white, those on their deathbed and those who are yet to be born, all of it. Church, this is why. This is why we must not diminish our responsibility in reducing the spread of the coronavirus. We know this has become political. We could debate this and talk about this ad nauseum. But we must cherish human life. And one of the ways that we cherish all human life is that we are careful that we wear masks when we're told to wear masks. We do everything that we can to to prevent passing this on to someone whose life might be threatened by this. And of course, not just the coronavirus. This is why we promote and support legislation protecting the unborn. 
And this is why we run to the rescue of the orphan church. This is why we humbly and graciously entertain roundtable conversations about things like immigration and human trafficking and racial equality and police reform. Messy subjects. But subjects that God's people need to be ready and willing to press into in ways that cherish all human life. Friends, we glorify God when we love our neighbors as ourselves by respecting parental authority, honoring marital integrity, cherishing all human life, and by remembering and rejoicing over what God has given to us. Remember and rejoice over what God has given you. Do not forget what God has given you. Rejoice in what He has provided for you on the basis of similarity. And for the sake of time this morning, I've I've lumped two of these commandments together. Commandments 8 and 10. You shall not steal and you shall not covet. Do not take or want what is not yours. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Friends, God is our gracious provider. He is the giver of life and He knows our needs. He comes to our rescue. Friend, do do not trust in your wealth. Do not trust in your health. Do not run after temporary pleasures or fleeting possessions, but remember and rejoice over what God has given to you. Do not take or want that which is your neighbor's, what does not belong to you. Love your neighbor. And finally, we see here that God's people are to tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Verse 16, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. The description implies a courtroom scene. Tell the truth in court. Give truthful and honest testimony. Seek justice, integrity, and impartiality. Yes, in the courtroom when under oath, but also all the time for nothing and no one on earth is ever outside the courtroom of our God. Friends, he's a perfect judge and an honest ruler. God does not lie. He does not lie. In fact, all of these commands are consistent with his character, with who he is, with his nature. They're a reflection of his character. Thus, he calls his rescued people to live and to walk by them. For by so doing, we display God's nature and we bring glory to his name. The God who rescues us calls us to live for his glory. But, but here's the deal. Is that surely all of us are seen by now that we have failed miserably. That we have not done this. That none of us have measured up. That none of us have obeyed these commands perfectly. We have failed, church, to live out God's standard of righteousness. We have failed to live out His standard of righteousness. Without exception, we have broken these commands of our God. We have Loved other gods more than we have loved God. We have worshipped God in the wrong way. We have misused His name and we have failed to honor His Sabbath. We have disrespected our parents and we have dishonored our spouses. We have wanted and taken what was not ours and we have spoken falsely against our neighbors. We have failed to live out God's standard of righteousness. Solomon the wise once said, Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous. No one. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. No one who does what is right. 
and never sins. Friends, we are lawbreakers. Every single one of us. And because we are lawbreakers, we ought to tremble before God. Tremble before the Holy God. Verse 18, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and they said to Moses, Moses, you, you speak to us. Don't, don't let God speak to us anymore. We're going to die. You, you go find out what the Lord says and come back and tell us. We cannot hear from Him anymore. Church, have we lost this sense of awe before God? Have we forgotten about His might and His majesty? Have we forgotten that our sin is a serious offense to the Holy God and that left to our own efforts and devices, we are absolutely and utterly unworthy to come into His presence. Tremble before the Holy God who demands righteousness from His people. Do not reduce Him. Do not reduce Him to a wimpy, soft, happy-go-lucky, jolly Santa Claus who stands ready and eager to reward those whose good deeds and efforts outweigh their bad. No. No, He is the Lord God Almighty. He is the God of armies, the Lord of hosts. He is the righteous judge. Tremble before Him. Tremble before Him, but but do not be afraid. Do do not be afraid, Moses says. Do, Do not be afraid, the Scriptures declare, for though God demands righteousness from His people. Listen here. Christ, the mediator, has offered His righteousness in our place. Christ, the mediator, has offered His his righteousness in our place, on our behalf. Jesus the Christ, who came to fulfill the law, lived the life we could not live, and died the death that we deserve. He did what we uh, could not do on our own. Christ Jesus worshipped God alone. He, he always worshipped the Father in the right way. He exalted God's reputation and He honored the Sabbath. He respected parental authority and He honored marital integrity. Friends, Christ cherished all human life. He always remembered and rejoiced in what the Father had given Him. And not only did He speak the truth, but He was and is the one called faithful and true. And according to God's word. When the set time had fully come, God sent this one. He sent this son. He sent Jesus, our Savior, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. To live the life that we couldn't in order to rescue us by His grace that we might be grafted into the family of God. Christ the mediator has offered His righteousness in our place. Paul says it this way in Colossians chapter 2. He says, when you were dead in your sins, when you were dead and undeserving of God's grace, when you were dead and lost and broken, when you were in the uncircumcision of your flesh, in other words, when you live like people who disregarded God and cared nothing for God, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. The debt that we owed, the one who made us, 
the unrighteousness, the, the sins, the debt that we could never pay on our own. Christ Jesus has paid in full, in, in full, nailing it to the cross. Christ the mediator has offered his righteousness in our place. So unbeliever, gathered in this place this morning, or watching online, unbeliever, Mr. Unrighteous, Miss Unrighteousness, non-Christian friend, believe and receive the righteousness of Jesus today. Believe and receive the righteousness of Jesus today as a free gift of God offered to you. Stop striving to be religious. Stop running after an unattainable status. Stop beating yourself up for your inability to measure up and receive the righteousness of Jesus, God's Son and our perfect Savior. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him, in Jesus, in Jesus alone, we might become the righteousness of God. Reflecting the character of God. And headed for eternal glory in the presence of God. If you are not a child of God, rescued by His grace, then believe and receive the righteousness of Jesus today. Right now. Do not delay. Turn and trust in Him. Turn away from a life of sin and trust in Jesus God's Son as provision in life that you need. And then, believer, Christian, follower of Christ, child of God, rejoice that you have a Savior who lived and died for you. Rejoice in God's provision on your behalf, His accomplishment for you and for me. Rejoice that you have a Savior who lived and died for you. Rejoice in Christ the Savior today. And finally, friend, live out the commands of God for the glory of God. Live out His Word. Strive to honor Him because He has rescued you. Live out the commands of God for the glory of this God. God calls the rescued to live for His glory. So live out the commands of God for the glory of God by the, by the power and presence of the Spirit of God, brother, sister, who now is residing in you. Receive and believe the righteousness of Jesus. Rejoice that you have a Savior who lived and died for you and live out the commands of our God for the glory of His name and His name alone. In church, we have an opportunity this morning to remember and to reflect and to celebrate the provision of Christ on our behalf through communion or the Lord's Supper. And so in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to do that over the course of our hymn of response. As you're led, when you're led, you can find communion cups, pre-packaged communion cups right there in the pew racks near you. Friend, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, if you've put your faith in Him and you know that you are a child of God forgiven by His grace, then let me encourage you in just a few moments to remember God's provision for you and to celebrate life in Him. So in just a moment after I pray as our musicians come and lead us in and a hymn of response. I encourage you to remain seated during that time. And as you're led, whenever you're led in the course of that song, to go ahead and take that communion cup, to carefully peel back that top clear plastic layer, and to take that wafer, and to remember the body of Jesus that was broken for you. And let me encourage you then to follow that up 
peeling off that next layer carefully, parents. If you have children who are followers of Christ, who know that they are saved, then you may have to help them with this this morning. Help your neighbor. Love your neighbor in this way. But you take the cup and you remember the blood of Jesus that washes you white as snow. It was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And then to spend the remainder of that time worshiping the Lord. Spend some time preparing for communion, bowing before God, confessing sin, and taking the elements. Let's bow together and then let's worship in that way. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord, a day that you have made. We thank you for your word that is alive and active, that is sharper than any double-edged sword. And Father, we confess today that we have fallen short, that we have not measured up to your standard of righteousness, Lord, that there is no one righteous, not even one, none of us on our own, but in Jesus, your perfect Son, our Savior, Lord, you have given us righteousness, His righteousness, His standing before you, imputed to us as your children. Father, hear our praise now. Move among us. Lead us to take the elements with thanksgiving for the glory of your name. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.